And we're back. Another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. You know, you got, I got the, uh, got the logo on representing here. Old school Seattle Mariners, baby. We took two of three from Houston and that's always a good day. And we're in first place in the American League West. So I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it proud because it's probably going to go away here as we usually start hitting the tank as we uh, get into May and June. But that's neither here or there. We're here to talk golf. Stuart Sink, 47 years of age, gets his second win of the season, eighth of his career. And to help us break it all down, you know him as at Golf Unfiltered on Twitter. Enjoy following him. Adam Fonseca, we usually put a face to the name here with social media on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Travis. It's nice to speak with you. Well, I don't know if you saw, but, you know, Stuart Singh, as I mentioned, is 47 years of age mm-hmm. and his caddy was his son. I'm not sure if you got all of that as they were breaking it down in the coverage there of the weekend, but two times now he's won on the PGA Tour this season, joining Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive stuff here from uh, Mr. Sink. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I may have heard once or twice or a hundred times that his, his son was on the bag <laughs> if you follow on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, uh, amazing performance uh, by by Sink there. And it's nice to see, you know, a name that uh, we hadn't seen in a while, you know, just make a name for himself again, you know, for probably a whole new generation of golfers really yeah. uh, winning twice already this year. You know, it's interesting. DeChambeau hits his driver on average and uh, on average 321 yards. Mm. Um, he's first strokes gain off the tee. Stewart. This season is hitting at 306. Hmm. That's a big number. And that's he strokes, you know, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big number for 47 years of age. And he's 122nd on strokes gain off of the tee. Of course, Stuart, he knows this course well. Um, he's won there before. And uh, he won the Safeway. Mm-hmm. If you watch our show on Tuesday, we call it the matchup. Uh, we were big on Stuart because you look at this course. Of course, he knows it well, but mm-hmm. strokes gain approach. His iron game has been really, really good this year. And he's found some form with his putter. I mean, those are the two things you need to win there. He goes 63-63 and then basically opens up this big lead and he just kind of holds on. I mean, it was kind of like the Masters, wasn't it? Where he just had this big lead and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to hold on unless someone comes up at me and, you know, then maybe I'll put the foot on the pedal there. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're driving the ball well and you're putting well, I mean you're going to be in a pretty good spot towards the end of the week. And you're right. I think that's a pretty similar uh, analogy there uh, to the masters. It was just one of those cruise control. And as a, uh, as a golf fan, you know, admittedly, I had to get some stuff done this weekend and just maybe tune in and <laughs> not, not as, as often. Cause you kind of knew what was happening. I mean, when yeah. the guy shoots 63, two, two uh, days in a row, it's pretty lights out. It is. And let's face it, I mean, it's been kind of boring late on Sunday. It is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, Hideki wins. No one makes a run. Xander knocks it in the water. And it's just like, okay, you know, Hideki wins. Great for the sport. Right. You know, he's being praised in Japan as he should be. And that's mm-hmm. huge worldwide. I get it. Now, Sink comes in 47. It's a cool story. Um, but he opens up a big lead. And there's just not much happening on Sunday. I had a, a buddy that was actually there on Sunday. Hmm. And I talked to him this morning. He was following me. He said everybody was rooting for uh, Colin. He said that most of the crowd was cheering for Colin Morikawa and not sink, which I thought I thought was kind of interesting. But, you know, speaking of Morikawa, he doesn't give anybody anything to cheer about. I got to tell you, you know, he's fourth right now in the Ryder Cup Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's going to be playing. I'm a little worried here about this putter. I I, got to tell you, he I don't want to say he's got the yips, but it was ugly from short distance. 
Yeah, the uh, the times that I did tune in, uh, seeing exactly what you're talking about, and that that is something to be concerned about, especially when we talk about a Ryder Cup year. I mean, that that is, you know, Morikawa up and down, it seems, especially after his first major victory. And, you know, I'm, I'm big on him. You know, I want yeah. to see this kid just play lights out as much as he can, but he's got something going on right now. And, you know, no offense to uh, – good old Mr. Jordan Spieth. But I mean, that, that was something similar in my mind when you compare younger players who all of a sudden the putter just kind of goes away for a bit. Jordan was uh, obviously able to find it uh, yep. recently, but uh, Colin, uh, he's got to get something figured out. Yeah, he does. And and we've seen this before. You know, he mm-hmm. you look at him at um, Genesis. He lost seven and a half strokes game putting. Wow. Um, and then the next week he comes back and wins at WGC yeah. Mexico, positive four. Um, then he goes to the players, loses two, then he comes back at the Masters, finished 18. I think he putted a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what his numbers were this week, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be in the negative four range um, for <laughs> strokes think. gain putting. Yeah. Um, it's that short distance putting too. You know, you get the heat on. I don't know. It, it, I think it's a, it's a reasonable concern. We're a little bit away, I get it, um, from the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have to make those short putts. And usually for our audience, when you see players struggle with their putting and they start losing their confidence, I think Colin kind of watches the putter head go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you'll also see the putter start to move back very, very slow. Like it's almost like steered. And then, you know, and then it's like almost a little bit of a, of a wishy wash stroke. And I think mm-hmm. you brought up speed. I think it's a really interesting comparison because I almost feel like Morikawa should consider a little bit more like speed from the standpoint of getting the putter head to go back a little bit more brisk mm-hmm. with a little more pace to it right. and, and almost stretch it out a little bit to then a, a, a little bit of a shorter, like firmer finish kind of like speed, because I think he gets, anytime you see a player start walking it back like Hideki can, and you know, we know his body can go. And then, you know, kind of that deal, um, I don't know. It's you don't want to start throwing things out there, but those are the things that I see mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I see Morikawa struggle with his putting because we know he can go ball striking wise. Although you could see it bleed into the rest of his game, like Spieth did when he lost his putting. We're a ways away. Tell me, Adam. Talk me off the ledge. He's gonna he, he's gonna get this thing figured out, right? I'd have to think so. I mean, he's got so much talent that, and he's so intelligent that he's going to be able to pinpoint that element of his game, you know, especially following this week that he's able to fix. And I think all the points that you just raised, obviously, you know, you being an instructor yourself, we're able to pick up on those things. And you're right. I mean, I always kind of cringe a little bit when I see any player, regardless of talent, kind of really focus too much on the backswing. You know, that's been hammered into my head just as a player myself uh, over the years. You don't hit the ball in the backswing. So it just seems like he's fighting something there between the years, you would think. Uh, But yeah, I mean, when Ryder Cup comes around, I'm going to imagine that he's going to be on that squad and we're going to need him, you know. So yeah, yeah, he's going to get it figured out. He's going to be he's going to he's going to be on the squad unless Mm -hmm. he just full on goes full. Yep. Right. Um, He's smart, young man. Love his coach, Rick Sessinghouse. I think they will smooth it out, but it is something to look at. Here's the top six right now for the U.S. team. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. Xander Shoffley Brooks Kepka. Interesting to see where Kepka, if he can hold on to that sixth spot, because then you get into selections. Patrick Reed's at seven, Finau at eight, which I think is going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. 
Webb mm-hmm. Simpson, nine, Berger, 10. There's Spieth. He's all the way up to 11. Billy Horschel, 12. Patrick Cantlay's at 13. There's a guy that's going the wrong way right now. Right. Um, can he get his game turned around here as we enter May? Still got a ways to go till the Ryder Cup, of course. Um, but Stuart Sink right now, um, the storyline here this week, um, we're going to get to another one who also won this week, Lydia Ko here momentarily. But I want to bring up one more topic here from Hilton Head. And I just think that we're getting to a point now in the Stripe show where we just need to have a common sense (laughs) part of the show. Let's just use common sense when it comes to certain things. Oftentimes, it's the rules on the PGA Tour. This this time, Adam, it was on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Siwoo Kim, another situation with his putter. This time, he didn't break his putter um, where he had to putt with his three-wood. Right. But on Saturday, playing with Kuchar... He rolls a putt up at him, okay, and mm-hmm. it goes up to the hole, and it stops. And it's like one of those, like, uh, my fall, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to give it the time. So he walks up, and, you know, he's giving it the time. And and Kuchar happens to be standing there, and he kind of looks at it, and he's like, Sue, I think the ball's still moving. Mm. So, you know, the ball's moving. You don't want to hit a hitting – you can't hit a ball that's moving. Right. Okay? So you have to kind of wait. So they wait, and, you know, 15 seconds, maybe 20. I'm not sure exactly how much time it was, but the ball eventually falls in the hole. Mm. Okay. So it's a birdie. Nice birdie, Siwoo. Call the rules official over. Rules official says, no, it's a par. It was past 10 seconds. And Kuchar basically like took the horn and was like, the ball was moving. Like Mm -hmm. you can't hit a moving ball. So it went up and past 10 seconds, it goes in to me. Common sense says, look, if I hit a moving ball, that's an issue. Mm -hmm. So I got to wait till it quits moving. And it eventually falls into the... So they give him a par, not a birdie. Does that make sense? It uh, it doesn't. I mean, it, God, golf has a tendency of getting in our own way, don't we? I mean, there are situations like this where it's uh, your playing partner, because that's the thing that we often hear about, right? Where the playing partner usually has the problem with something that the other player did. In this case, Kucher was in his corner. And, yeah. you know, as I understand it, as you explained it, it's it's a matter of, look, what do you do in this situation? And there's so many other things that have come up over the last few months, it seems. Uh, heck, the last few weeks where it's like, okay, well, well, what am I supposed to do in this? You know, you're telling me what I did was wrong, but why don't you tell me what I'm supposed to do? And oftentimes, especially it sounds like in this case, too, there's really no good answer. So the player's in a really bad spot. And despite the fact that your playing partner is, you know, rooting for you and saying, look, this is what I told him to do, because it sounds like say we wouldn't wouldn't have known the ball was moving. Had Kuchar not said anything? Is Kuchar not supposed to talk at that point? It's I, he really maybe, yeah, I don't know. He maybe was, maybe he was seeing it and Kuchar just wanted to make sure that he was. And gotcha. You know, you know but they were on the same page. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kuchar was like, look, the ball's moving. Don't hit it yet because it might fall in. Right. And so eventually it does fall in. And then it, it doesn't count because it was past 10 seconds. But 10 seconds, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, like, I mean, you don't want to make something out of, you know, too big, but it's like, man, just, this is common sense stuff to me. Right. And right. we do make it difficult on ourselves. The rules of golf, although there's some things that I think are they have done better with and cleaned up and have been probably over generous in certain things, grounding your club and hazards and things like sure. that. But I mean, I just I think we still have a ways to go when it comes to just simple stuff like this that everybody just kind of walks away like, what? Right. Yeah. And the way I I mean, like with the professional game, you know, this is even a bigger issue, obviously, because every stroke literally is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you and I were out playing and that would occur, you know, we'd probably, you know, figure it out and say, okay, well, no big deal. You know, I made par instead of birdie. But for them, it's 
literally life-changing, career-changing in many ways. Abraham answered last week, um, gets the two-stroke penalty because he the, his wedge just skipped that little, just that little bitty babe of, of sand. Right. So we're now we're in the business of penalizing people after the fact. Yeah. In which it's not a fair landscape in that every shot isn't filmed that closely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're going to just penalize those that we happen to get mm-hmm. on video. So the landscape's not even fair when it comes. These are just common sense things to me that why are we doing this? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No one is going back after a game in baseball right. and in football and in basketball and in, like saying, look, here, we saw something and I know it's an hour later, but we're mm-hmm. going to change the outcome. <laughs> it's crazy. And and the point you raised is such a good one because the fact that the cameras are on the ones that are on the players that are playing the best, you're almost penalizing success in that regard. That's right. You know, it's it's really backwards. And uh, I'm not sure who needs to do what to, to fix this, but uh, you outlined it perfectly. It, it's it's awful to penalize someone after the fact. We all know the rule like that. The, the problem isn't, well, he touched the sand. Yeah, we know. We know that's the fact. Yeah. But after everything happened, I mean, come on, where's the statute of limitations at on no a round point, of golf? At no point should we go to the video after the fact. No. And then penalize a player after the fact. No play. That just there's no place for that in the game. Agreed. It, there, it's not a fair landscape. There's no sport that's doing that. Not that no. I know of. Not that I don't know. I just it, right. here's the common sense. We had it last week with Kucher. We have it this week with Siwoo. I can't take anymore. We're moving on to something more positive, and that's the play of Lydia Ko. No one played mm. better golf this week than Lydia Ko. Stuart Sink was impressive. 63-63. The dude was unconscious mm-hmm. on Friday, Saturday. But let me tell you something. I watched Lydia Ko play. And there's not many times where I just kind of, you know, the tournament is over and I, and I find myself watching with the same anticipation because I know the player is completely in the zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking completely in the zone. I mean, she was, I I would have to say it might be the most impressive golf that I've seen this season for sure. Liz Lydia Ko at the Lotte championship in Hawaii, uh, 28 under par. Is that new? <laughs> I mean, is that good? <laughs> uh, I mean, goodness gracious. She wins by seven. Mm-hmm. It's her 16th win uh, since 2018. And uh, she was unconscious. Did you get to catch any of that golf? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. We were able to watch it. And uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, again, when a player's in the zone like that, it's almost that that's enjoyable, you know, golf to watch to me, you know, all sorts of golf out there, all different types of golf. But when you see a player of that, that magnitude and, and, uh, you know, capability playing at their absolute peak performance. It doesn't get any better than that. And yeah. uh, she was certainly that this weekend. I had Sean Foley on the podcast, I think, two to three weeks ago. And mm-hmm. we, we, had, we talked about two players. We talked about Justin Rose and how they basically have reunited since Justin left when they came back from COVID. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and Sean and Justin are like made for each other. I mean, those two guys have had a great run. I was surprised in some of the decisions Rose was making, Sean being one of them. Yeah. And then he signs with Lydia and Lydia comes on and, and I talked to Sean about it. And the first thing that Foley told Lydia to do is go put on some muscle, put on some weight mm-hmm. um, because she was very thin. Mm-hmm. So I think she's, she has put on a little bit of weight. I think they've done some things in the swing for sure. Nothing crazy, mm-hmm. but I think he's just really kind of cleared her mind more than anything. And sometimes in our business, Adam, especially with like a Sean who is 
very detailed and understands the swing, can talk the science, is a deep thinker. Right. You know, he's very sophisticated, let's put it, when he puts it out there. Um, so you can listen to that and say he's technical, he's this, he's in depth, he's and he is he can be all those things, but I do mm-hmm. think he can be simple and I think he can help a player dumb it down and clear their mind, which to me is kind of where the coaching comes in. Right. And I think he's done a really good job with Lydia, who has had an extremely long list of caddies and coaches. Oh. Extremely long list. I'm gonna name a few. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna name a few. Here we go. Lydia Co. Teachers, David Ledbetter, Gary Gilchrist, Ted O, David Whelan, Jorge Parada, and now Sean Fuller. I'm sure I'm missing one. I think Chris Grayson was part of mm-hmm. some of the counseling in there at some point. Um, and and she, I mean, let me tell you something. She's not afraid to jump around and be like, hey, no. bro, you know, like, and, and, and she's settled down now. You know, I think she's found her guy here and she needs to kind of settle in and just, you know, kind of let's just turn the wheels down and be consistent. What do you think? Yeah, totally agree with you. And I know that, uh, you know, I had uh, David Ledbetter on my show and we actually talked a lot about Lydia. Uh, This was a while ago, uh, of course, and uh, he had some choice things to say. And I think a lot of it really revolved around maturity for a young player, uh, you know, probably being influenced. Not only I mean, you've got so many influential people around you at that point, especially when you are of, again, the magnitude of this player, you know, on a world stage. Um, And I think over time, you know, you're right. Find something that works. You know, Sean Foley absolutely has always gotten, you know, at least in part and maybe rightfully so a little bit of the heat about being too technical, as you, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of explained. But you're right. I mean, a good teacher in anything in life is able to take those complex situations and break it down so that when you're in the moment and you need to perform whatever it is, you're able to remind uh, remember it concisely. And I think that's what we're seeing now with uh, Lydia and Sean. But yeah, I think, you know, a player like hers. Uh, her capability, uh, slowing things down, you know, finding that niche and we can see when it works. We saw mm-hmm. that in spades this past week, you know, it just continue to find that niche is really the, yeah. the whole name of the game for her. Well, she was on the same pace as tiger in her, her yeah. early part of her career. I mean, that's yeah, how, she was. that's how good of a player she was. And, and she's still young um, mm-hmm. and still has a lot of time out ahead of her. But I, I tell you, that was the most impressive golf I've seen to this point in the season was her, um, on the weekend. I mean, it was just crazy robotic kind of golf, every shot making yeah. it look incredibly easy. I mean, I'm talking like, it looked like she was going to hole out from 140 yards at times. I mean, it's just, it was, it was nuts and she needs to settle in now. Mm-hmm. And I think maturity probably is a good word, but she was a very young girl coming out and right. had a good exactly. run with Ledbetter. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard in coaching man out there. I'd never wanted to do it ever out there on tour. Um, I think I, you know, I worked with some players, but I did mm-hmm. it long distance. I didn't travel. Uh, it's it's, but I have a lot. I know a lot of the most all of them that do it, and it's a tough job. You know, I mean, you're dealing with the technical side, but then you're right. dealing with the emotional side, and then oftentimes you're dealing with some of the baggage that's coming in from previous um, relationships. Mm-hmm. You're dealing mm-hmm. with uh, the mental side. These players have lives, and things are happening. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I'm telling you, it's a full-time yeah. job for these for these coaches. And I'm talking when I say full-time, I'm talking like they're they're around the clock um oh, yeah. a lot of the time and spending an incredible amount of time on property with these people, texting, phone calls. Got a lot of respect for them. And I think mm-hmm. you're going to fail a lot too. That's the, you know, 
there's a lot of failure in golf as a player, but I do think there's a lot of failure in golf from coaching too. And I think, you know, it's just inevitable that the relationships are going to break. You know, it's just, they're going to break. Butch Harmon is the most successful and he's been fired by Tiger. Right. He's been fired by Phil. He's been fired by so many. You know, I mean, he's like, it's just inevitable. And and look, it probably rubs off Butch a little bit easier than it does Sean. It rubs off Sean a little easier than it does a Jorge. It rubs off Jorge a little, you know, but it still has this effect, you know, oh, yeah. and it chips away at you a little bit. And I can remember going through that with, with some of the experiences that I had and it consumes you. And it's um, so you gotta, you gotta learn to deal with the, the failure too, um, mm-hmm, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I don't think he would mind me saying this, but uh, when when Ledbetter was on my show, he had mentioned you're not just coaching the player in many instances; you're coaching their entire team, mm. and 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 it's a matter of not only getting the player on track to uh, you know agree with, for the lack of a better phrase, the concepts that you are conveying, but the entire team has to be part of that too. And so mm. I think you you know you hit the nail on the head. It's it's a matter of you know it's a completely different world out there. And certainly, you know, I follow you of course, and I, and I listen to what you're, you're talking about and, and others. It's a job that, like you said, mm. 24 hours a day at any point you're on call. And, uh, as a guy yeah. that, as a guy that works uh, in healthcare during the day, I know what that feels like. And that's, that's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is tough. Anyway, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Street Strick, uh, Steve Stricker mm-hmm. wins the Chubbs classic down in, in, uh, Tiburon. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the Ryder Cup. Yeah. So hopefully he um might be taking note to sink. Stuart Sink, 40. No, I'm not sure he'll get on on the team, but uh, man, impressive stuff from uh Mr. Stewart, who had his son as the caddy on he was the all right, Zurich Classic next week. <laughs> Have you heard about Zurich. that? Did you hear yeah. that he was yeah. so the Zurich um up there in TPC Louisiana, another Pete Dye uh golf course. This yep. one though. I think it's a little bit easier as far as when you look at Hilton head and the stadium and Kiwa, which right. is where the PGA is going to be. And it's a, it's a, it's a team game. So they play best ball on Thursday, Saturday, and then mm-hmm. alternate shot on Friday, Sunday. I'm going to propose to the PGA tour and the LPGA tour that this needs to come together as a co-sanctioned event. We need a man and a woman in Louisiana playing a team competition what do you i'm think? on board yeah um, let's do it i mean i think that's a fantastic idea and talk about the eyeballs that will benefit on both sides of that coin right for the pga uh, tour and lpga that, that's a fantastic idea and there's a lot of different combinations that you could even think of <laughs> right yeah i mean are, yeah, as far as the teams right right man and what let's let's go there all right so okay let's, let's let's think through this a little bit i'll give you the first one all right um hmm. so Lydia was inspired by Spieth mm-hmm. and Hideki, True. their play, mm-hmm. working out of a struggle. I, I, I like Spieth and Co. Why not? Why not? It's both both young, both energetic, both electric when they're playing uh, the best. You know, that that's a great pairing there. I mean, then you can almost like kind of get into the, the, the obvious ones, perhaps. I mean, do you do like a – do you do a Lexi Thompson and a Ricky Fowler? Do you do – you know, uh, I don't know. Do we have the Brooks connection? Do we have Brooke Henderson and Brooks Kepka? I mean, come on, we could do anything. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. Yeah, you could. So I like that. 
But I think you got to go all Canada there. I think you have to go. You have to go Brooks Henderson and Corey Connors. Okay. Okay. I can. I get into that. Yeah. So you have to all Canada. You know, they got the Canadian suit on. I think that would be, (laughs) that would be sweet. And plus, Corey uh, Connors is coach. uh, Derek Ingram will be on the podcast on Wednesday. So anyway, back to back to the suits. Did you see that uh, the Olympic team for Canada is doing? They're just embracing the Canadian tuxedo. They're going for that for the closing uh, ceremonies. I saw oh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, there goes my uh, camera. That happens every time. I'll be back here in a second. Oh, um, there he is. Yeah, there he is. Um, yeah. So other teams too. I mean, you got to think about you know the, the the flashy personalities as well. I mean, do you okay? Do you go? Uh, oh, jeez. I'm not sure. I mean, do you go with you know the court? One of the court of sisters. Pick one, and you go with. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a, a Morikawa. Do you go with a Xander? Jessica, Do you go? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I was just you gonna know? say that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Jessica and Xander. Mm-hmm. That I like. I that think a that lot. would. I think that would fit. Let's go. Let's go. Um, let's go. Bash here. Let's go. All kind of the distance. Bryson number one in distance. Okay. And Bianca. Mm-hmm. Bianca's uh, number one on LPG. I want to talk about just overpowering the golf course price on Bianca would be must see TV. I got to tell you, I think JT and Nelly, the other quarter. Yeah. That I would think be a JT, good match. Nelly. That that just feels right. It does. It does. They they almost seem like you know. And now now that we're talking through this, you almost want to see it play out because just the way that the games are going to complement each other, you know, it's it's yeah, going to be right. absolutely incredible. Especially right. I'm going back to the Lydia Ko and uh, Jordan Spieth. I mean, that would just be. I can't even That'd think of the a number. Tough one. Yeah, that'd be a tough one. I I I kind of like Lexi and Matthew Wolf. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of that too. You know. I, Matt Wolf, I mean, is he is he okay? I mean, he seems like is was he hurt? He had a wrist thing, didn't he? You know, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know from a physical standpoint mm-hmm. um where he's at, but yeah, he he's definitely got some, you know, uh some proven to do, I think, as far as since what's happened here to 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 kind of solidify in our mind that he is okay, right? That right. Gonna, yeah. That he's gonna get back to a, a level of play that we've seen um before because it's been um there's a lot of question marks there for sure with, with Matthew Wolf. Here you go. How about this one? Abraham Answer and Gabby Lopez. I mean, those two would have Perfect. to play together. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's a fan. Yeah, absolutely. That That's something that we want to see. Yeah. Just yeah. watch the bunkers, Abe. Come on. <laughs> Hideki and Inby. Yeah. I like that. I definitely <laughs> like that. Inby Park. Inby Park is is crazy to watch. I mean, she looks like she's swinging 40 miles an hour. I Exactly. And it's it's almost like go out there and place it. I know we, t- we say that a lot, you know, they could just go out there and place it wherever they want. She could literally do that. I think like, oh, yeah. just, all right, I'll take just oh, a yeah. yard off of this shot. Incredible. I think she shot 20 under, she was 20 or 21 under it in, in Hawaii and just got lapped. Yeah. By, well, uh, by Lydia, she ran into a bus. I feel like DJ and Kang. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Kang and Dustin Johnson. <laughs> nice. That would be a team right there. I mean, you want to talk about showing up ready to beat some ass. Those mm-hmm. two would be, <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, just the content alone is worth it, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. I mean, it's it's fun. The team game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not a big alternate shot guy. I don't find it just an awkward format, you know. But yeah, um, it is fun. I, I think Zurich's done a really good job with this tournament. But I'm saying, hey, let's go next step. Let's bring the two tours together. I think it would be phenomenal TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the LPGA has an event this week or not, but even if they do, they can make that work. Get out ahead of it, bring these two tours together and, and match them up. I think it would be phenomenal. I really do. And this is a week right here, right after this is perfect. It mm-hmm. really is. It's mm-hmm. just, um, now's the time. 
Now's it the time. Is. It, now, now's the time. That's right. Listen golf, to us. Golf is fun. Travis is giving you the answers here. Just, just listen to this. And it's, 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 you know, we got it all figured out here today. Yeah. Golf is, uh, it's flying. You know, there's a lot of yeah. good decisions being made. Sometimes we get on the podcast, we have some fun with certain topics, but, um, it's in a really healthy spot considering the biggest name is healing up. Seems right. optimistic about how things are going, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, man, we've got a lot of, uh, we, we got, uh, the, the, it's in a great spot. And I just hope, you know, I'm going to wrap up with this from a distance standpoint. We're seeing for the USGA here, like Stuart Sink's 47. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's hitting it just over 300 yards. He's not tearing it up, strokes it off the tee like Bryson. Right. And these two guys are, are the only two times winner. You know, they, they've both won here this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I look at how Augusta handled it. I look at how uh, this run of courses. Yes, there's going to be an advantage to distance certain courses, but I like the balance on the tour. I really do. Hilton Head fits beautifully. You can't overpower it. TPC Sawgrass, you can't overpower it. There's a lot of courses um, that you're going to see coming up. Colonial, you can't overpower it. Right. Um, yeah, Louisiana, I think this is going to, you're going to see a little bit more of a, of, you know, distance kind of playing out here. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. think we're in a good spot, you know, just start putting some regulations on it now, hold it back a little bit. Don't let manufacturers and balls get completely out of whack from right here. But we have great momentum. I just hate to see anything come back right now as good as the sport uh, is doing. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's it's funny, too, because, I mean, people who follow me on social know my thoughts on the whole distance thing. But I think you're right. I mean, it's it's a matter of just that good balance. And we've seen it now twice with Augusta, you know, because uh, that, that's the course that everyone would reference. You know, oh, they got to right. buy more land at Augusta. Well, it, it took care of itself. It really took yeah. care of itself, you know, and I think if we just – you know, throttle back just a little bit, the distance, uh, the equipment, like you mentioned, you know, that still allows manufacturers to do what they're going to do and the innovators to continue to innovate. And it allows the best players to still rise to the top as we're seeing, um, you know, the, the last thing, and I agree with this, I've come around on this argument. The last thing we want to do following the golf boom year in 2020 is to give the casual fan any reason to believe that this is not as much fun as you can possibly have. And that would include, oh, now they're taking something away. Well, I just got involved in this, you know, so I understand that point of view. And like I said, I've come around to that. But yeah, uh, yeah, at some point, land is land, my friend. And uh, we got to we got to be careful with that. Well, so what if the Masters have got it? You know, they got they got the money to buy a little bit. No, you you can overdo it for sure. And there's Mm. there's. I, we're definitely we're up against it right now, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we would we're cl- or close to it, um, but I think from a PGA Tour standpoint, at least to this point, I don't feel like I don't walk away thinking that um, guys are just completely overpowering golf courses. At this point, no. I mean, it seems like they're trying. It seems like one guy's really trying. Um, but you know, golf's been around for hundreds of years it always finds a way doesn't it i think uh, golf will yeah. win win out in the end distance is always an advantage sure I mean, it, it just always is and it, you know jack tiger um dj mm-hmm. bryson like you know we've seen it rory um it's always going to be it's always going to be an advantage but this point on this date after the rbc to this point i don't feel like guys that are hitting at 325 330 in the air are just going out and overpowering golf courses and guys that are hitting it 295 have no chance. Like I just, I don't, right. I don't feel that way to this point. Now, granted Rory has lost his driver. <laughs> DJ has not been driving the ball good at all. Um, Bryson has gotten a little erratic all of a sudden and seemed mm-hmm, to can't, mm-hmm. he, he, he seems to can't find a driver that like just is his gamer. He's always tinkering, you know, with yeah. that. 
Um, so there, there's been some movement from that standpoint. But um, what's interesting to see is guys like Stuart Sink at 47. Mm-hmm. Like in his press conference, he's like, yeah, I just changed a couple setup things. And all of a sudden I'm hitting them like 10, 15 yards longer. Like, yeah. Why don't you do that? that? Like, why don't you do that? <laughs> it's funny. Man. So, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, uh, sometimes I just listen to it. It's, it's just funny. Like, yeah. I mean, like probably he, I'm sure he just changed his attack angle. You know, right. he probably got instead of like one or two down. Now he's one or two up. And all of a sudden there you have it. Now I'm going to go to the driving range and see everyone with their wrenches out, changing club heads, and it's just, okay, I got, I got to get back. It's good. <laughs> well, I won't keep you from your tea time, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, talking golf. We'll do it again. Check it out at Golf Unfiltered. He's got a podcast, 300 episodes now. Thank you for doing this, and congratulations on that. Hey, thank you so much, Travis. I've uh, always loved the work you do, and thanks for having me on. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 